0: Going Linux episode 450, Linux Year in Review. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy.
1: And I'm your co-host, Bill.
0: Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, This podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux.
1: We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done.
0: If you want to send us feedback, you can send us an email. GoingLinux at gmail.com is the email address. And our voicemail line is 1-904-468-7889.
1: In today's episode, Linux Year in Review.
0: Hello, Bill.
1: Hey, Larry. How was your holidays?
0: (laughs) Very, very good. Welcome back from the holidays. And welcome back to our audience. Yes. uh, Who was very quiet over the holidays.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. They play with all the new tech. (laughs)
0: Uh, That's what it is, I think. Yeah, that and busy with family and all that other good stuff. And I know there are other holidays in other parts of the world, so don't give me that. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a North America thing. Well, all right.
1: I do have I do have to ask because it's it's a requirement. Did you get any new mm-hmm. tech?
0: Uh let's see. I got a new. NVMe drive, but I've already mentioned that. I got that before Christmas. I actually didn't get anything significant. Let me check my desk here and see if there's anything on here that I haven't thought about in a while. New arrangement of my stuff on my desk. But other <laughs> than that, no, nope, I think we're good. I think we're good. How about you?
1: I Actually, uh, yes, I did. But it's uh, it's not what you'd call... Uh, super advanced (laughs) uh i got a um a kit to make a da vinci clock based based on it's it's not very big it's uh i haven't even started yet i just because it has all the little parts and stuff but it's uh based on design by leonardo da vinci and i had seen this and a friend of mine had uh, saw the uh, kit and said, Oh, yeah, I think you'll have a good time. So I, I haven't had that uh, chance to put it together yet, but it's all run by weights uh, and levers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm. I know this what can we call it retro tech? <laughs>
0: sure. Sure.
1: So I got some, re- yeah, no, that's cool. I got some retro tech and, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm going, uh, when I have time, it's, you know, right after the holidays and new year, I kind of busy at work. So I really haven't had time. I, I need to sit down and, and, you know, clear, uh, a section of the desk so I can get, get all the pieces out and, and put it together. So, but... Well, uh, that sounds
0: good. So, have you, f- physically, how big is this thing?
1: Uh It's uh, about the size of a, a cuckoo clock. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's probably maybe... It'll be as tall as like a 17-inch monitor, uh, I guess. Mm, okay. It's not going to yeah. be super huge. It's just kind of tall for all the yeah. weights and stuff. But... Yeah. Once I, uh, once I get it put together and it works, uh, I'll, I'll have to, uh, send you a picture of it. It, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, a fun little project. Um, and, um, uh, I just thought it'd be kind of cool. So they, yeah. we, I don't know how we, uh, they found out that I was looking for one, but I, I might've said, Hey, look at that pretty cool. <laughs> and they, and they found it and they, uh, bought the kit for me. And so very like, nice. Yeah. And then the other thing is I've been playing a lot of Starfield. Thank you. Beth- Bethesda. <laughs> Bethesda. <laughs> there you go. Uh, on Linux. Right. Uh, and, uh, That you know, so it's kind of been kind of fun. I've been dying a lot and flying ships into things, but yeah, it's been been kind of fun. So, other than that, between work and eating lots of good food, uh, I've I haven't uh, done too much. So yeah, yeah, I know it's the holidays. So, I do have to say I did get a new piece of tech, but we can we can thank the uh, little Dotson puppy whose name is Loki, mm-hmm. who chewed up my headset.
0: Oh. <laughs> so it's a replacement headset. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes. He, uh, I, I I woke up to hearing crunch, crunch, crunch. And I look over and he had pretty much crunched it into little pieces. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, it's, that's all me. I should have left, um, Left them out of his reach, so, but apparently yeah. I uh, didn't, and I um, got to replace them. And uh, so yeah, Loki's got a mischief, and he is definitely Loki. <laughs> Golly. Anyway, so that was my only. That wasn't the kind of new tech I wanted, but hey, okay. <laughs> oh.
0: So what's on tap for today, Bill?
1: Yeah, last year. Um, this is not an inclusive, all, you know, every news story. It's just ones that have caught my attention over 2023. And now I wanted to talk
0: not, about it. Not going to be a three hour episode then. Okay. No,
1: no, no, no. Uh, how about this? Welcome to our Linux year in review uh, show. We're going to cover some Linux news and goings on in the open source world. So it's not just going to be about Linux, it's going to be about stuff that might have changed, or whatever. So the first story is a pretty cool one. The Indian Defense Ministry adopted, and I'm sure I'm going to murder this, uh, Maya OS to enhance cybersecurity and reduce dependence on foreign software. The new operating system is based on Ubuntu, that, and it's going to replace Microsoft Windows. So it's kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, the name... Um, Maya os is derived from sanskrit and it means illusion so apparently this thing uh can create like disruptive layers of protection uh for the defense ministry's computers and it and, and hiding them from cyber attacks <laughs> so uh, okay. yeah it seems to be pretty cool uh, they started rolling this out uh at very end of 2022 and and it finished it in like 2023 but I, i run across this uh earlier and i was like wow that's pretty cool and what the big thing was is that they kept getting attacked and right now there's like the three defense branches that are using it but you know if it works well that they're going to um probably move it to other parts of the government but they wanted to be able to control uh, and here's this thing that, that's always interesting. And look at the source code and make sure that there's nothing nefarious going on. Uh, you can't quite do that with Microsoft Windows. You just got to kind of take their word for it. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, we know how reliable Microsoft is. Oh, it, yeah, really oh, yeah. In All the blanks. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. So, is this Maya or Maya OS? Uh, available to the public? I mean, is it is it really open source or is it a proprietary adaptation of uh, Ubuntu?
1: Okay, so I heard that you can download it. I wasn't able to find it because I can't read uh, the language. I included uh, the link, the Defense Ministries page where you supposedly one, one of the links will let you... Uh, download it and look at it but i couldn't find it and i wasn't gonna sit there and click around stuff you know my luck i'd end up sending a missile over to my house or something (laughs) but yeah yeah it's uh it's i heard it's available if any of our listeners can find it um i hear some people that have actually seen it and use it and they say it they've got it where it resembles microsoft windows so the it's just easy for everybody to use it i mean the, the interface they don't have a problem with it's all the stuff of not being able to control uh, you know when it's updated and uh if there's anything hidden in the code and yeah
0: you uh, just can't tell with windows right yeah, yeah. and if,
1: you know, if you're using that to control or you know your defense Ministry. I can understand why uh, being able to look at the code and make the changes, uh, or 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 keep anything from changing, uh, is important. So, I thought it was a pretty cool story, and uh, uh, apparently, it's working well so far. Um,
0: okay, that's news—new news to me, even though it's probably old news to those who follow that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it's kind—it was kind of fun.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, this next one I did hear about. Um, the Vim originator and founder passed away. Vim, of course, is a, a text editor for the Terminal. And Bram Molinar, I think is how you would pronounce his name. And if not, I apologize. Uh, he's He was the creator and maintainer uh, and benevolent dictator for life of Vim, uh, Thy Derivative Text Editor, as it's called. And he passed away on August 3rd, 2023, 20, at the age of 62. And we'll have it a Wikipedia link in the show notes.
1: Yeah. Have you used Vim?
0: I have tried to use Vim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used it for about, well, I don't know, about 15 minutes. And... Uh that did it for me. I thought graphical text editors are simple, but they'll work.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it's really sad to hear about, uh, Bram. I, you know, like I said, I know there's some people that love them. Um, I've tried using it once or twice and I'm like, uh, no, I never thank you. <laughs> but, uh, that, but you know, other people have probably taken that work and and build upon it and stuff. So I was really sad to hear about um, his passing. So the next, our next story is about a Linux distribution, Larry, that is becoming mm-hmm. popular, and it's called NixOS. Now I want to say it's not a new, user-friendly Linux distribution. I'm putting this story in the show for some of our more technical listeners. I I started playing with it myself, but there seems to be a lot of increasing demand for Nix engineers. And mm-hmm. the, th- the thing with Nix engineers is that um, even though the project's been around for like twenty years, it's now just finally coming to fruition, or people are starting to notice it. Everything's done uh, via uh, like a, a one text file, so all the it's different than most. Um, Linux distributions, you're able to reproduce the same system by via um, a text file. So you'll be, you could have, you know, it's reproducible every time. So I think that's why there's a lot of companies that would want to use something like this. And so they need Nix engineers. And since there's not a lot of people that know how to use the Nix and get it set up that, hey, maybe one of our more technical listeners can pick up some work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Um, Yeah, so immutable operating system is kind of what they call it, right?
1: Yeah, the... the, uh, Now, I'm not the expert on Nix. I just started playing with it not too long ago. But I believe you can't call it... they, They do call it immutable. The developers, I think that's maybe not quite um the best uh term for it but we're going to go with it because uh, uh they, they do things uh different from like you know you, you've heard of uh, fedora silver blue and some of the other mm-hmm. immutable they do things differently but they there is a part a part of how the the system set up that it's it's you know you're not messing with the base um um uh, OS, you're 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 doing everything by this config file, and so you're able to reproduce it. And what's what I think everybody uh, has been talking about is once you fix a problem in this config file, you're done. You don't have to keep fixing it. So once it's in your config file and you get it all hammered out then you should be able to take that your nix config and reproduce it just using the config file and other people can share their config files with you it's it's pretty genius uh but it's different and i know there's some technical challenges that you know people have trying to learn it but apparently it's becoming more and more popular in in uh the IT industry and Hey, if you make money with you know working with linux and and uh <laughs> why not? you know,
0: yeah, absolutely,
1: so I wanted to throw out, out there because we have some smart people <laughs> smart people yeah than
0: me. absolutely well, um, yeah, interesting stuff. I have certainly heard about it, there's been a lot of talk about it on uh, Linux podcasts and elsewhere, and it seems very interesting to me. If I had more time, I would uh, spend some time and learn it, but I don't, so I haven't.
1: I'm actually doing it. I have, I have, uh, uh, I'm not going to tell you it's not working yet, but I've, I've already started playing with it. So shh, ah, don't cool. Tell we'll let
0: us know how it goes. Okay. Yeah. We'll keep it a secret. Okay. Keep it under wraps until you <laughs> reveal. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. This next story um, this past year, Twitter has become x so now now that we've figured out that it's not twitting and it's not twit it's it's tweeting uh now we have to figure out is it xing or is it posting or what is it we're doing in x so (laughs) there's been a lot of drama a change of ownership and other changes to the platform so if you're looking for another social network with you know drama uh, there's <laughs> an open source platform called mastodon it doesn't have um uh, the same drama that uh, twitter now known as x does or maybe it does i don't know uh but uh it's out there it's called mastodon and uh, you can uh join that as a social network now bear in mind it's it's and this may be a good thing. It's not going to have all of the um, um, non-techie folks. It's not that there's not non-techie folks on Mastodon. It's just that more of the kind of people that would adopt uh, open source software would be on Mastodon than would be on uh, uh, Twitter. Now, called X. And by the way, if you want to know what you're doing on Mastodon, it's not donning it's not masting it's tooting (laughs) how do they come up how do they come up with these anyway i don't know (laughs) enough
1: i've been using mastodon and um it's it's kind of fun it's it's you're you're right it is more (laughs) techy but uh it's I don't see all the drama in, you know, since it's open source and you know it's uh, federated and people can have more control over their data and not some big uh company or uh person who owns one person who owns a company. Uh you, you can run across some good uh uh information in Mastodon. So if just I was never a big Twitter or tweeting or whatever, you know. Yeah, uh, me neither. It, yeah, I, you know, so but I do uh I do like to follow some Linux and uh, tech uh, subjects and some certain people like uh, Wimpy's on there mm-hmm. um, and uh, some of the Ubuntu. What was the Martin is on there. Um, mm-hmm. And so Joe, Joe, uh, yeah, Joe Ressington, I think is how he say it. Um, Yeah, so he, I always like following him. So, you know, following people that, you know, I find interesting. And uh, so, yeah, I've quite enjoyed that.
0: Well, okay, that's that's good to know that um, many of the same people that I have been following in various places uh, are there and you've been following them as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so... Uh, try NASA down if you just wanna follow some of uh, these people. Wimpy is pretty impressive, I tell you what. Um, but uh, enough. Uh, I don't want to give Wimpy a big head. So, <laughs> not that he listened. So, Larry, I'm gonna tell you. Say Rhino Lennox.
0: Mm-hmm. And- don't know anything about it. Okay. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. A little bit. A little bit. It's rolling Rhino, right?
1: <laughs> so, uh, if you're looking for a rolling release of Ubuntu, Rhino Linux might be something you want to look at. It is rumored that we will see a Ubuntu, uh, that they'll have an official version of this year of a rolling release uh, Ubuntu. Um, but until then, you, you have Rhino. And it might just fit the need. So, yeah, I would... Uh, if you're looking for some, a bunch of goodness that just you know is constantly updated, you might want to look at it. Uh, I, I, yeah. They do things a little differently. I don't know if it's really... I wouldn't say it's super new user-friendly, uh, especially if someone just come over and started using Linux. I would say um, maybe this was more intermediate to advanced in certain areas i would you know i would definitely suggest going with a bunch of mate or something like that if you're brand new and uh, once you get your your feet wet and get more comfortable then you can look at some of these but i i, I it's pretty cool uh to you know interesting idea so it's arch it, <laughs> end up using a and i don't know quite quite understand that but okay
0: yeah so my first introduction to a rolling release was with Linux Mint when they uh, first introduced a rolling um release of of that particular distribution of linux, and it was a little bit too rolling for me, too out there on the bleeding edge um things routinely broke, and that's to be expected with a uh, rolling release and maybe things have gotten a little bit better in terms of ensuring that uh, updates to applications don't break when they uh, they are first introduced into a distribution but that's part of the reason for long-term support uh, releases of various linux distributions is so that those Um, Issues can be ironed out before the general public gets them, (laughs) and uh, that's just not been done with a rolling release. So if you are going to try it out, expect things to not work properly, have a few extra bugs than they would normally have, uh, or completely break uh, until they've been ironed out. And in my experience with the Linux Mint rolling release, it's a bit annoying, or at least it was to me. Uh, but if that's what you're looking for, if you want to be on the very bleeding edge of things, a rolling release is a great way to go, and I'd encourage you to try out Rolling Rhino Linux. Okay,
1: now, I'm going to disagree with you in a little bit here. I okay. Li- <laughs> I, uh, I like... Uh, uh, the rolling release idea. Uh, I think uh, Manjaro. Oh, I like
0: the idea. Don't get me wrong. I like the idea. I just wish it was a little bit more stable.
1: Yeah, Manjaro doesn't. It's not as bleeding edge, but they uh, they do hold back some packages back for quality testing. Not saying you know any any update to Linux can break it, but when I was sure. run, when I was running Manjaro, I did not have any breakages uh, except that when I uh, did not update for like a month and then it didn't really appreciate it too much um, because I was busy and I just left it sitting there. And it could have also been that I let the battery die in the laptop when I was running, but I'm not going to say <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, okay manjaro was uh very stable i know people uh in arch um they like uh, i like arch in certain on um, uh, as they make it easier and uh and we're going to be discussing a, a new arch for beginners uh later in the show so i don't know i like the idea um But I I see what you're saying. If you want something that's going to work, then LTS is probably what you want. You don't want something that you have to continually update.
0: Right. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. The rolling releases, generally speaking, the distribution itself is pretty stable. It's the packages because they're introducing new uh, versions of the packages as they are released with minimal Uh, testing just enough to make sure that they will install properly and generally speaking they will work with the expectation that maybe some of the features aren't fully implemented in a new release of a package package for those uninitiated in Linux is a software package so the applications in other words so there you go so you
1: probably don't want uh, that uh to be flying your airplane and, during an update. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. So our next story is one that's been all over the internet, and it's when Red Hat was in the news after they changed how they allow the use of the source code for their uh, RHEL, their commercial product, um, Enterprise Linux compatible. There was other distributions that were using the source Code from it and just repackaging it and putting their logos and stuff on it. And so I guess Red Hat said, uh, "No, you need to use the uh, a different base. Um, you can still download it and, and you look at source code, but it's got limitations. I think you only can you, know, you can't use you can't take the source code uh, from their enterprise version of Linux and uh, just roll your own and sell it it's kind of like hey wait a minute we're doing all the work and then you guys are just taking it and rebranding it and selling it and we're losing money so i kind of get the idea okay because it was just basically the same uh, source code Uh, i think there's like uh alma linux rocky linux uh, a few others that used that but uh they're using the uh, CentOS stream code base and mm-hmm. it's it's different. It doesn't have... Uh, but it it still works. I'm not quite how sure how that... I know there was a big uproar about it. But, you know, there's a lot more to the story. And just to make it easier, Ars Technica did a really good story and had great coverage. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, let, read that and then you can make your own decisions. Uh, what, do you, what did you hear about this, Larry? I know you probably... Heard you know it was all over the internet.
0: Yeah so Red Hat really had two versions originally before Red Hat became part of IBM. Uh, they had the Enterprise Linux version which was their commercial version where they quite frankly made most if not all of the money that they made off of the support for the Enterprise Linux version. And then there was the community-based CentOS, which was essentially all of the same things that was in the Enterprise version with the branding stripped out. And it was that CentOS version that was being copied. Now, maybe some of those other versions were using the Enterprise version and stripping out the branding themselves. But that stripping out of the branding and making sure that it was all gone uh, is... A lot of work, quite frankly. Um, So a lot of this changed when IBM purchased and absorbed Red Hat. And once an organization that is based in uh, open source gets incorporated into a a commercial enterprise like IBM, especially one that big, Uh, oftentimes the interests of making a profit overtake the interests of... Maintaining open source now, part of what Red Hat and IBM uh, through Red Hat distributes is still open source. The source code can still be viewed and can still be redistributed, uh, especially the you know the CentOS stream as you called it. Um, but the enterprise version is a little more controlled, if you will. So that is probably oversimplifying. Uh, neither one of us works for Red Hat or for IBM, so we don't know the full story. But that's as I understand it.
1: Yeah, the Redars Technica article, and you can yeah. make your own decision. But I, it's it was such a big story that I didn't want to not mention it. So I uh, told you that uh, about this new. Uh, Linux distribution that is beginner friendly, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Arch Linux was not your first thought. But you're in luck. There's a new one called I believe it's CachyOS. It's spelled C-A-C-H-Y, <laughs> so I'm I'm sure it's like Cachy, but oh well. I will murder a name as everybody knows. Uh, might be just what you're looking for. It's um, a um, right now they have a KDE version and a Gnome version it's uh, they're using the Calamari's uh installer it's supposed to be very uh new user friendly um i am not going to recommend it just yet cuz i after i get done playing with nix so i'm going to look at this uh so many things so little time and uh i have looked and uh, seen a few examples of it running and stuff um i still would have a hard time saying this should be your first Linux uh, distribution especially if you're brand new I still say go with Ubuntu Mate go with Ubuntu go with Linux Mint go with uh, like Zorin OS anything like that you know for that's that you're not gonna have to worry about the you know things changing so fast because if you bork something and you don't know how to fix it or roll it back Uh, on an Arch system it's it can cause problems and we don't want to frustrate you so um, I still I think I still need to stress Ubuntu Mate is probably one of your best choices because you have so many options of interface and stuff that you can use so that's Mm -hmm. uh, just because I jump around like a madman does not mean everybody should I do it because I'm weird, and I like looking at all the different stuff, and I have an attention span of a, of a NAT when it comes to new distributions. Um, but that being said, any of the Linuxes that you download that are geared to new users doesn't mean that you can't use them as an advanced user. It just means that they're geared to ease you into the, the open source world <laughs> and using Linux. Yeah, so, right. Um, I wanted to make that uh, clear, so I I I have to give. I know we sound like shills for Ubuntu Mate, but through through trial and error, Ubuntu Mate has always seemed to be there to make things easier uh, for quality of life. They're constantly increasing, you know, making things easier to use, more polished. So. Um, I have to say, I'm not a I'm not a shill for Ubuntu Mate, but I have to say when it's the one of the best solutions out there, that's the one you I think you should look at first. And then once you get your feet your feet wet, then if you want to get into like an Arch uh, Linux or whatever, then you could go to this one and, and kind of be uh, eased into using Arch. But I'm sorry. I got on a rant. I just wanted everybody to know that just because it's, they say it's for new users, um, sometimes it's not the best place to start.
0: Right. Yeah, and lots of folks will use Ubuntu Mate. They will use Ubuntu. They will use uh, Linux Mint um, or the various flavors of Ubuntu and uh, use it quite productively. And as new users, as well as very uh, advanced professional users, as well as the Red Hat and uh, various other uh, versions of distributions, Arch and Manjaro and others that we talk about. But we don't test all of the distributions thoroughly. Uh, If we run across one that has promise of being one that we can recommend to new users. We'll test that out and use it for a while. And through our evaluations, Ubuntu Mate has come on top for new users. That's the focus of our podcast here. So that's why we're focusing in on new users. Uh, Quickly followed by Linux Mint and uh, maybe a few others. But between Ubuntu Mate and Mint, I think those are the two throughout this past year that we have Recommended the most and we're sticking with those until we find another one and we're always on the hunt for another New user focused uh, or new user Compatible if you will uh, Linux distribution that we can recommend. Yeah,
1: that's That was a good way to to see it. I I went on a little tangent, but I just wanted people to know that there's no wrong answer anyway
0: It's open source. Do what you want. Uh, Okay, another story here from 2023. According to Valve's monthly reports, the the gaming company, in July 2023, Linux overtook Apple's macOS as the preferred gaming operating system for the Steam platform for the first time in history. In July 2023, Linux overtook Apple's macOS on the Steam platform. And according to the... Data Linux is used by one point nine six percent of all Steam users, while macOS counts for one point eight four percent. Small numbers, and the difference is even smaller. Do we know what the biggest portion is? <laughs> I mean, that's it's less than two percent for each of them.
1: Yeah, you remember now. Um, you've got to kind of. Step back and see why this is impressive. Yes, it's not a lot, but you've got a uh, open source operating system that, for the first time, is now uh, used more than a a closed source uh, operating system by a what billion trillion dollar company. So yeah, it's it's pretty impressive and. You know, that's... Yeah, it's not... We all know that Microsoft Windows is um, the the main gaming platform.
0: Um, but Oh, it is? I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. Goodness, yeah. who knew? You're okay. <laughs>
1: but, but, you know, it, like I said, choice is good. And Linux, even growing small amounts, that's still a lot of users. If you have 30 million users... Or ten million users, or whatever Steam has, and two percent yeah. of that—that's <laughs> still a lot of users.
0: Yeah, I don't mean to diminish the uh, accomplishment. That's uh, really impressive, for sure. Yeah,
1: and you have—I'm going to give uh, Val and Steam uh, some kudos. The proton they're using is, I think, one of the uh, that's helped. The Vulcan drive, you know, drivers and libraries have made things so, you know, they don't have to do this. But I think they're they're starting to see the writing on the wall, and saying, well, mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, uh, you know, let's not get rid of five hundred thousand uh, people that will buy our games. You know, it's it they they're doing it because they're, uh, there's there's money to be made, and so, I'm like, yeah, keep sending me, keep working on this so I can play my games because I'm running a AAA brand new game under Linux using Vulkan and Proton, and it runs super great. So it's kind of hard to argue with.
0: Yep, absolutely. Okay, I think we have one more story.
1: Yeah, and this is a quick one. I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, So the Linux creator and lead kernel developer, do you know who this is? Linus Torvalds. Mm, yes. You yes. might have heard of him. I, I might,
0: might, might have heard of him. Might yeah. have heard of mm-hmm.
1: him. So Linus kernel 6.7 is in a number of commits over 17k non merge commits with 1k plus merges. One of the largest kernel releases they've ever had. And these are <laughs> so I guess they've been adding lots of support and so the kernel's getting bigger uh so yeah that's where all the drivers sit and all the you know video uh, for video cards and amd chips and the networking so larry the kernel's
0: getting bigger yes so um yeah i, I don't know what that means in terms of stability and scalability and everything else but it Kind of makes sense that the kernel would grow because the number of mm, just drivers uh, for support needs to increase and maybe they're doing some trimming. I'm not a kernel developer. I don't know all the ins and the outs, but I hear bits and pieces.
1: Hey, so let me just, uh, explain just a little bit of this. Um, as the kernel grows, it's not a bad thing. It means that more and more hardware is supported, unlike some closed source companies. Uh, Linux has been supporting, still supports uh, hardware that's no longer even supported by those companies. Uh, there's been talk that it, they might be time now. 32-bit systems. How they they right now? There's still 32-bit support in the kernel for and what's a 20 year old Mm -hmm. um, processors so so they're supporting all this old hardware and ready and supporting new hardware with new drivers so that's why linux works so well on so many machines is that they uh they keep adding support and of course it's going to grow and as things get to where you can't you know, there's not people using them. They'll trim it down and it'll shrink a little bit. But technology is moving so fast uh, that, hey, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't have a floppy drive. But it's nice to know if I can plug one in on my Lynx machine and it will work. It's nice to be able to use hardware that you have. And uh, I'll just before I re-end this, I want to say one of the reasons why this is so important is that, you know, uh, there's windows 11 is start is you know there's a lot of perfectly good machines that won't be able to upgrade from 10 to 11 because they're changing the way things are uh, supported you have to have a tpn chip and all this other stuff so you got perfectly Mm -hmm. good machines so the you know nice part is uh why they're getting rid of support you still have the support so you'll be able to install linux and continue using that that perfectly good hardware for years to come so that's why you know, the kernel is uh and linus and his team are, are you know they do a lot of work then they don't get a lot of to get a lot of people complaining but uh you know when you think of linux it's the kernel and the kernel is what makes it work
0: yep and all the linux distributions all use the linux kernel
1: yep so Anyway, those were just some of the things I found in 2023 that I thought would be interesting. It's not an exhaustive list. It's stuff, and I know it sounds um, mean, but it's things I found interesting. So, Larry, is there anything in 2020 thing you found interesting or you want to bring up? Or did I pretty much bore you to death?
0: No, you, you gave me some things to think about that I hadn't... Um... Uh, hadn't known about uh, that. Catchy OS has kind of a catchy name, and um, <laughs> that's one of those. Uh, and some of those I did know about, as we discussed. So I think those are some key things, maybe not even the most important things, but like you said, they're the things that caught your eye and you wanted to bring to folks' attention. And I think that. Uh, uh, we may have reviewed a few things for some people who were already familiar with those and provided some new things to look at for those who didn't catch some of these stories. So thank you for that. And we'll yeah. have links to all this in the show notes, of course. <laughs>
1: okay. So I okay. think I'm, I think that was our last story of anything I wanted to bring up. So okay, what's our next episode, Larry?
0: Uh, As always, our next episode will be a listener feedback episode. And until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done.
1: And if you like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Links podcast community on community.goinglinks.com.
0: Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: 73.